Greetings. You are now in tune with the Talking Reggae podcast. As always, I am Jay of Street Level Uprising. My special guest on this episode of Talking Reggae from Perfect by Tomorrow, please welcome Turner. Turner, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, no worries, no worries. So I start in the same place with everyone, man. Can you recall for me that first moment that you remember hearing reggae music and the impact it made on your life? Um, well, I mean, growing up, of course, I'd like hear Bob Marley and like uh, some Peter Tosh that my, like my parents would be playing. Um, but I think the first time I really like would listen to reggae, uh, our drummer, Justin, um, in high school, he was bumping a Sublime record and I was just stoked on it. I was loving it. Yeah, cool. Um, and I'd say that was probably when it really clicked with me of like how cool, you know, reggae can be. Sublime did a lot for um, really raising reggae awareness among Americans, especially at a time where like a lot of the roots reggae from the 60s and 70s and into the 80s, some of that had kind of died down of what people were listening to in the States. Um, and bands like Sublime and Fishbone coming up in the 80s really kind of spread those vibes, even though they were eclectic bands, um, which I love. And we'll get we'll get to that later, because that's, that's one of the reasons I, I like your band so much. but. Um, start at the beginning and tell me about when you first picked up an instrument and when you did pick up that instrument, were you already into reggae or were you feeling other vibes at the time? Um, well, so when I first started playing, like just, I guess, music in general, I started playing the drums when I was about seven, um, because, you know, my brother played the drums, my dad played the drums, a lot of other members in my family played the drums. So I wanted to be like them. Um, but when I was probably about 12, uh, I got my first guitar, um, from my dad and he was like, we're going to teach you how to play guitar, you know, kind of broaden your horizons. Um, and I hated it at first, honestly, it was so tough. Um, it just wasn't as fun, you know, in the beginning stages, you know, drums are sick right off the bat. Yeah. Um, you just start hitting stuff. <laughs> um, but after, you know, a couple months of playing guitar and, uh, you know, really working on like some uh, old Beatles tunes. Uh, that's when I kind of started to fall in love with guitar. And that's been like the main ever since. Were the Beatles, were the Beatles real big for you when you were, when you were growing up? Yeah, the Beatles were probably the most played band in the house. Um, my parents, they listened to a lot of different music, but mostly like just classic rock stuff. So the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Um, it was kind of, yeah, all the classics. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Like my dad was a drummer too. I kind of went in the opposite direction. I was like, well, he's a drummer. So let me do something else. Um, and yeah, man, guitar at first is hard. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't even know how I press through it to keep going <laughs> because it was like, I could imagine because I started playing when I was 11 and I could picture 11 year old me being like, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. So, uh, you know, but it's something that, that I actually, you know, kept doing and it's, it's hard to believe I did, but um, it is, it's, I, I tell people when they're starting to play, like if you can get through those first few weeks or a couple months, it's like, you know, cause your hand hurts at first. It's like, but don't just keep going. You'll get through that. You know, when, um, when did you start playing, playing reggae? Um, I first started playing reggae, um, probably like my junior year of high school. Um, 
Perfect by Tomorrow, we started like towards the end of my freshman year, um, but we were just uh, a shitty pop punk band. Um, and we were covering like Blink-182 in the lunchroom and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, Justin, our drummer again, he's like, hey, what if we learn this Sublime song and we learn Don't Push? Um, and after that, we were like, oh, maybe let's learn uh, some other reggae stuff. And so he showed us the Dirty Heads. He showed us the Expendables. Um, and we covered a lot of both of their tunes throughout the early stages. And then after like a month of doing it, I guess we were all like, I guess we're a reggae band now. <laughs> you know, it just seemed to click better than the pop punk thing. Uh, if it feels natural, you know it, right? Yeah. And playing like some reggae tunes definitely felt more natural. Yeah, cool. Did you start digging back into reggae history at that as you were getting deeper into reggae? Did you still start going back to a lot of the old, you know, the, the OGs, the Jamaican OGs and stuff like that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I really dig a lot of Peter Tosh's stuff. Um, I think he's a very underrated reggae artist. Um, I, I don't dive super deep into the roots stuff, but I have a really big appreciation for it. Yeah, cool. Taj is one of my favorites, too. I agree with you. It's, it seems like um, as big as he was at the time, people don't talk about him like that sometimes. They don't realize, yeah. you know, when he split off from the Whalers and he put together the Word Sound Power Band, like that was as big and electrified as, as Bob Marley and the Whalers and what they were doing or what Steel Pulse was doing. And he made a huge impact on his own. So, yeah, man, I agree with you. Like, you know, more people need to be talking about Tosh. Um, so you were in that that stage back then where you kind of started playing more reggae and stuff. Is it the same lineup? Have you guys had the same lineup the whole time? So we have a different bass player now. Um, my brother started playing with us in like 2015, 2016. Um, and obviously, like I've jammed with him my entire life. So mm -hmm. um, he just kind of clicked right in with everybody and uh we just kept on trucking kept on playing the tunes and he was picking up bass pretty quick um we actually uh kind of got him into playing bass so he could join perfect by tomorrow um but like he just picked it up so fast um you know he played the drums so he had the natural sense of rhythm and just it was a good click and fit yeah cool cool that's really cool so were you, you, did you start off gigging a lot? Um, yeah, I've been like gigging ever since I was 14 or 13, nice. maybe even. Yeah. Um, I, uh, did like a kind of rock band throughout middle school that we played a couple shows. Ooh. Um, looking back, we are probably the worst band in the world, but, uh, we thought we were awesome. <laughs> um, and that really just those early stages playing on stage kind of showed me like, hey, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to do this in front of a lot more people and kind of spread the love of music. Um, and so as soon as I got into high school, you know, the middle school band kind of disbanded, um, but I didn't want to stop playing. So instantly um, I got hooked up with Justin, our drummer, um, and Joe and our old bass player, Jordan. And we uh, were just a bunch of hood rats and kind of got into some mischief here and there. Um, but in between doing all that, um, we would always just jam in the garage and start working out different tunes here and there. And I feel like ever since I met with those guys is really when I 
you know, started to excel and, you know, grow deeper into the, the craft and the art. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you need the, you need the commitment and you also need other guys who are as committed as you are. Um, you know, it's, it's not putting a band together and, and playing shows and do it like that's, it's hard. It's not something that's easy. It's not something that just anybody can do. It's cool. It's cool for me to hear uh, that you came up playing gigs because it's, I always like to, to, when I talk to artists, I always like to learn everyone's process because especially younger artists today, there's cats who will make albums and singles and whatever, and never step on a stage because they, you know, it's so easy to record and all that, that you can do whatever. And then it's like, well, now you got to take it to the stage and they never really have. And it's like, the way I came up, that's kind of putting the, the cart before the horse, because back then it's like you play shows and you hone your craft and then you go into a studio. So I'm always fascinated to see like, uh, you know, when I see people that are still doing that, still coming up the same way that I did, where you get in the clubs and you pay your dues, you know? Yeah. And I think that's really what helped us. Um, you know, before we recorded really anything, um, we were gigging for probably a solid year or two. Um, just really like honing in on these songs. Um, and if we hadn't done that, who knows if we'd still be a band today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I was talking to a band once um, in South America and they were telling me like, we didn't even play a show for the first like a year or so. They're like, all we did was we practiced like every day and we just did it and get all these tunes down. And then we went out and we played a bunch of shows and then we recorded and they, they saw the benefit of that, of like taking those steps and that just, not just jumping out there. And what it does, it allows you to present a honed craft to an audience and not just something sloppy up there. So it's, it's, it's cool that you guys went that way too. And like, you know, get your stuff down, go gig. And then, so at what point did you feel comfortable with, you know, saying, Hey, let, let's go record. We need to we need to do some record and make an album. Um, well, I guess throughout playing, like so many people come up and ask like, Hey, do you have a CD? Do you have any music out? Um, and I just felt so bad of saying no all the time, um, that there's kind of like this pressure from our early on fans to get some stuff recorded. Um, and luckily I'm super thankful for this. My dad has a little recording studio in the house, um, Plumtree recording studio in Stanwood. Um, and when we finally felt like it was time, you know, I worked up the courage and I asked him if he would record us. Um, and he had us in to do our first record and it sucked. It was awful. (laughs) I was like 16. Um, no, I was probably like 17, but we were still all learning. Um, I wasn't a master by any means. Um, and so that album's been kind of buried in the internet and, you know, I'm glad that not too many people stumble upon it. <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere, man. And, but you, know, you got to start you gotta, somewhere. Gotta yeah. start, so you got to have the guts to do it, man. This this business is 99% guts. And you have to just have the guts to just do things and try things. And like, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but you keep going. Um, let's talk about where you're from, because another thing I'm always fascinated with, especially talking to reggae artists, is you can hear regional influences in their music. Um, so let's, let's talk about you being from Washington and the influences that came in from up there, obviously a very rich musical history from that area. So tell me, tell me what you think, what kind of impact growing up there had on your music? 
Um, well, I mean, obviously Seattle had the big grunge movement. Um, and I like, I'm a big fan of Nirvana and, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, um, all that music, you know, it plays a role in your writing process. Um, and even if you don't realize it, if you're not writing a song in the style of Soundgarden, um, if you've been listening to them forever, I feel like it kind of works its way in there. Um, and I'm no, you know, Eddie Vedder or Chris Cornell or even close to Kurt. Um, but sometimes when I'm singing, I like to get a little thrashy. And if I'm not realizing that I'm doing it, uh, people have come up and been like, man, that sounded just like this one song from Nirvana or this sounded like, you know, Eddie Vedder back in the day. Um, and I'm not doing it on purpose, but I feel like it's definitely worked its way into my style. Um, it's something you can't really avoid, you know, when you're growing up in the area and it's always played, yeah. um, it just makes its way in there. No, man, I know how it is, man. I lived out. I just got done living out in, in, the, in the middle of the country for a while in Can Lawrence, Kansas for a while. And what happened out there to me is like you end up getting like the 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 folk Americana, you know, type of vibe starts coming in uh, a little more acoustic bass and stuff like that. Like you can't help but worry from when I was growing up in, in Florida um you had the stuff that came from there whether you know the, the hip-hop comes into music and all kinds of stuff so mm -hmm. uh to me that's cool man that's one of those things that brings originality to a band if we all came from the same place you know it'd be harder to differentiate your sound but those influences that come in there like that's that's part of the flavor that makes you who you are you know so let's talk about perfect by tomorrow talk to me about your bandmates um, I, I dig that you guys have, there's, there's some unique things about you. Um, one of them is, is the way you split the vocal duties and also the harmonies that you sing. Tell me how that process works out. Yeah. Um, so the other singer in perfect by tomorrow, his name's Joe Sunderland. Um, he's, you know, been one of the main with us and he's definitely like the head honcho when it comes to songwriting and general structure and stuff. We all have our input, but he's definitely the one in the driver's seat. You know, he arranges a lot of the progressions and the lyrics and stuff. Um, I have my own little bit of, you know, lyrics and I'll write a song here and there. Um, but I've learned so much from Joe, too, um, just from growing up and playing different songs of his. Um, and because of that, you know, Joe sings a lot of the songs he writes. Um, I sing a lot, a lot of the songs I write, but sometimes, you know, he'll even write out some stuff and be like, hey, my vocals just aren't really working for this. I think you should sing this verse um, and vice versa. There's been a couple lines like I've been like, hey, man, I don't think, you know, I'm just fitting that style. Maybe you should sing this part. Um, and because, you know, we're always back and forth like that, the other person's got to sing harmonies. And we kind of sing our harmonies in a different way. Um, but I think that's really cool. It gets you just a different flavor when a different person's on lead. Yeah. And it's cool that you, you know, you're not protective or selfish of what you're writing that you, you know, to say, you know what, you should sing this one. You know, I shouldn't do that one. Um, it's a cool writing process, you know, that you guys have, you have the different writers. And even if, even if Joe's doing most of it, you all arrange it together. Y'all come up with your own parts and stuff like that. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Everybody has their input, you know, when you're writing a song and some come to practice more developed than others. So mm -hmm. there's more room to put your flavor on it than others. 
some you come in and it's you have the clear vision of how it's all going to go um but even then you know you're still going to put your flavor on it you know i'm going to play it differently than joe has played it or how you know somebody else would have played it yeah you still you still make it your own yeah right on man. right on uh i i want to talk about um a few of your tunes if it's cool i could just throw some titles at you and you can tell yeah, me just of some of your general thoughts on a tune um let's 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 go back let's let's start with firelight talk to me about your impressions of firelight how that tune came together yeah so firelight was uh one of the first songs that uh we kind of put together and writ. um it didn't make the cut on the the first album the one that i said was buried in the internet um just because uh we we tracked it and it just wasn't good enough so we we put it to the side and then the second album which is ocean drive um we decided like hey we're gonna give it another another shot and we re-recorded it and it just came together a lot better after playing it for you know another year longer um, but it came about when we were just like in high school, you know, we were all just broke hood rat kids, um, spent too much time on the beach. Um, and I think honestly, it started uh, on Juniper Beach on Camino Island. Um, I spent a lot of like my time in high school there um, and we'd have beach fires like every weekend. And that's kind of where it all started. Joe started putting together lyrics here and there and, you know, fell on a progression pretty easily that when it came time to bring it to practice, um, we all kind of knew what to do. We all knew what the vibe was. That's cool, man. That's yeah, cool. No, that song has a soft spot in my heart, you know, yeah. from being, you know, one of the first. It's a good tune, man. And, I, you know, it's it's cool to hear that, like, you had it earlier, but it wasn't quite ready. And that, that happens with tunes sometimes, man. Or, or sometimes they never get recorded because you try. Like, we we had one tune that's like, it seems like every time we get ready to record now, I'm like, that tune comes back up. And it's like, we've never, like, it's, it's, it's a fine tune, but it's for some reason we've never been able to get it sounding good. So you just, you know, you just let it go. Sometimes you got to let songs go and maybe they come back around or maybe you let them go forever. You know, it is what it is, but. Um, when it's time it's time it's time yeah. yeah man like it's the creative process for songs is so nebulous anyway right like where does <laughs> this come from like do i really feel like i did this myself or does this you know like there's all kinds of the the weird things about it the spiritual nature of creativity and where that spark comes from to begin with and it's like yeah man sometimes that tune's got to find its own way and maybe it never finds its way but don't don't force something you have to quality control is the most underrated aspect of being a musician you know what i mean definitely yeah you know so it's got to got to be that quality control that says yeah you know maybe maybe we sit on this one for a minute yeah you want to put out a product that you know you're happy with yeah. you know not right. just because the song's written right mm -hmm. right don't just do it just to do it you know write another song if that one's not working do another yeah. tune yeah um let me ask you about far away um what are your what do you remember about the writing process behind that song yeah so far away uh it came in a little bit different that was one that you know joe put together um you know a good portion of the bones of it all and then uh when he brought it to practice he was like hey 
got this song. It's not really too reggae. It's kind of a folky reggae take. And we were all down to give it a shot. And we ended up, you know, falling on it pretty quickly. Um, that one came together really fast. Um, but yeah, Joey just kind of had in mind, like, I want to get out of here. I want to get the fuck out of my hometown um, and just escape for a little bit. And he started writing and that's what came out of it. Um, and that's one of the ones that gets requested more than anything else um, as far away. I mean, I didn't expect it to be that way. It's like, oh, it's just a folk song, you know. And but a, it, a good it's tune, a good well. tune is a good tune. You know what I mean? Yeah. A good tune. And and we're the worst judges of the things that we write, man. I'm wrong. Every album that comes out, I'm 100% wrong about what I think are going to be the most popular tune. Mm-hmm. It's always something else. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like you're you're always surprised at like what what catches fire and what people are into, and it's like, all right. I guess we got to play that tune every night now. (laughs) But that's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, How about, uh, let's move on to Waiting. Tell me about Waiting. That's another tune that I really dug. Yeah, so Waiting was one that I had written for the new album. Um, Yeah, uh, as soon as COVID had like hit and locked us all down, everybody had so much free time so we're like you know if there's any time to do another album it's now um and we knew even before we'd started tracking that we wanted it to be a longer album um and that one kind of just got thrown together almost last minute you know we had like 13 or 14 tracks but the goal was to get 16 for it so we ended up writing a couple others and that one was one that I don't know. I kind of just put together of a bunch of different hooks and then we were trying different ones and seeing which ones worked. Um, and, uh, at the time when I had written it, I hadn't seen my girlfriend in like a couple weeks, she was on vacation. So one of the things was like, I'm waiting for you. And that was the hook that stuck. Um, but it's funny. That one's kind of like the, the lamest writing process ever. It came together in like a day. Um, we just got down in the basement and fell on the progression pretty easily and lyrics kind of started flowing easily. So it came together really fast. Yeah. Sometimes they do that. And sometimes they take five years. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's like we were saying about, you know, the, the whole process as it is, it's like, you can't, it's going to do what it's going to do. You know, some of mm-hmm. it's 15 minutes and some of them is 15 years. And it's like, you know, it's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. Um, you said something earlier when we were talking about far away about, you know, just wanting to get away sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something, the best songs are always relatable, right? Like it's always something where I don't have to know exactly what you're talking about or what your situation is. If you write a tune, like that's a concept everybody can relate to, right? Just it's mm-hmm. like, I, I, it seems like no matter where you come from, you always want to get away at some point, you know, yeah. I, I grew up in South Florida and at some point I moved to Kansas cause that seemed like a good idea at the time. You know what I mean? Like, like why would anybody leave the beaches of South Florida to move in the middle of the country? Like it sounds crazy. And even when I moved there, people were like, wait, 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 you came from Florida to here. Like, why would you do that? It's like, but that it's such a relatable thing, man. And that's mm-hmm. the key is like, you guys, what you're doing with your tunes is it's all very relatable. Waiting is related. We've all been 
in a situation like that, we're waiting for someone or missing someone or something. And that's, that's a common thread that I hear in a lot of your music is just like relatable stuff, man, stuff that it's like, yeah, I feel that I feel, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but I've, I've felt those same emotions as you. And that's, that's how music connects people, man. You know? Yeah, no, that's the powerful thing about it is even if you're not taking the same meaning as what's intended, as long as you're taking meaning from it, uh, I think that's a super cool thing. Yeah. As long as your tune's not being grossly misinterpreted. That is going to be all right. (laughs) That's not, it's never a good thing, but no, um, you've also had some guests on, on some of your albums. Um, there was a tune with bumping uglies. Um, tell me about get a grip with, uh, that's with Ian Ayers, right? Yeah. Um, get a grip was one that, uh, the progression and such had came together, you know, pretty straight ahead, but, um, me and Joe were sitting on vocals for a good while trying to put that together um and we've always wanted to do a song with ian he is like a a seattle kind of legend in the reggae area here not that there's the hugest reggae scene um but he kind of started paving the way and so ever since we started playing shows in the area um we wanted to have ian on a song and um, you know, we never really had one that was either a good fit or either like his thing just wasn't working out. Um, so when we started recording Euphoria, we're like, we have to get Ian on a track. Um, and this one, it just the pocket was feeling so good. We all kind of knew like if there's anyone to have Ian on. It's this track. Um, and his verse is the best part of the song. So I'm glad that we did. It's definitely um, good, man. That's a good tune too. And it's, it's, you know, yeah, his, his verse is cool. Um, yeah. The best part of that too, was just like getting to record it with him. He came up and we recorded it in my dad's studio. Um, it's kind of like a halfway point. I live up in Bellingham, Washington. It's like 15 minutes from Canada. And then he's like down in South Seattle. So the studio in Stanwood was just a good meeting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like such an easygoing, kind-hearted guy um, that it was it was almost funny when he rolled in. He'd like did the most beautiful take on the track. And then afterwards, he was like, yeah, so uh, we could try it again if you guys want. I don't know if that was any good. And we're all dying like it was gold. <laughs> um, and I think he did one more take on it. But yeah, he was just so like kind the whole time. And he wanted to make sure that he was doing justice of what we wanted um, and just everything he was doing. I was loving, man. He's just an incredible singer and writer in general. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. <laughs> How were you, I, I don't, I think Washington, you guys had like some lockdowns and stuff. How many shows were you really able to play over the last couple of years? Well, so I mean, especially at the beginning was when you know nobody knew what was going on so um we tried the whole live stream thing um and one of like my favorite venues down in seattle the nectar lounge they hosted us for like our first live stream that we did throughout all that um but even that it's not like a show really um but then a couple months into it you know we started doing some like private backyard parties um and some just like smaller deals here and there so it wasn't the slowest time in the world but it was definitely slower than we were doing yeah and even like a small backyard party it's a different vibe than like 
you know, a packed venue. So it was a big change, you know, when everything started going down. Yeah. And the live stream is even, it's even harder. It's like, like mm-hmm. I hear about, you hear about like comedians who like stand up comics who go and do their first movie. And mm-hmm. it's weird for them because they tell a joke and nobody laughs because you can't laugh. It's a movie. <laughs> so they tell a joke and they're like, was it not funny? And it's like, yeah. no, man, like we can't laugh. It's a freaking movie. It's, it's the same thing for us. Like when we start doing live streaming, it's like to not hear an, an audience and not have an audience. Like you play the tune and, and there's silence. It's like, that's so weird for musicians like us who come up playing in clubs and stuff. It's like, you know, when you go do like a, like a radio appearance or something and it's like, it's just you and the DJ and it's like, you play a tune. It's like, there's like no, no clapping, yeah. no feed. It's, it's the weirdest vibe in the world, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You just think like, I hope that was all right. You know, I have no idea. <laughs> Somebody throw something at me or something like, maybe, like <laughs> yeah. I need some kind of response here. Some kind of response. <laughs> like I didn't just play that in a vacuum. So <laughs> something. Uh, that's cool that you were able to play some like some backyard parties, like you were saying, at least it's good to just because it's tough. Like if you're going to go two years with hardly playing any shows, man, it's that's just a tough thing for any musician, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, it was a, you know, not our entire livelihood, but, you know, we get by playing music um, and it was just all of a sudden shut down. So it was definitely an adjustment period. Yeah, man, it was mm-hmm. pretty crazy pretty crazy and hopefully it doesn't get like that again uh there's one more tune i wanted to ask you about man and i want Mm -hmm. and and i mentioned earlier that i like eclectic bands eclectic music i I, at the top i mentioned fishbone fishbone's one of my all-time favorite bands um i love them and so i grew up on bands can do whatever they want they don't have to be just this or just that why can't you do whatever styles you want and i know people like to put things in nice little boxes because it says how we identify things, right? We love Mm -hmm. dividing things by uh, all all kinds of metrics, all kinds of demographics. That's just what we do. Um, I always love bands though, that embrace being eclectic. And one thing I dig about you guys is when you're rolling through your catalog, you'll hear just some straight up rockers, just some, just some straight up rockers or something a little funky. And the tune I want to talk to you about is hideaway. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. I really love, like, I still have, still have some of that old school guitar love and there's some great riffs in that tune, some great harmony guitar playing that you guys are doing. Where did this tune come from, man? Um, well, yeah, you know, like you're saying, a lot of the times, you know, we get thrown into the box of, you know, we're a reggae band and we definitely take, you know, a heavy influence and inspiration from it all. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'd say we're almost more of a rock band because um, we got some that it's like there's not a skank, there's not a bubble. Um, they're kind of aggressive lyrics. Um, so Hideaway, I think how that all came together. Um, again, that was one that Joe had kind of brought to the table with a little bit less structure than usual. Um, he had like most of the lyrics, but as far as like the progression and the feel, it wasn't all hashed out yet. Um, and so we just started jamming in the basement and, you know, after, you know, having a good time and having a couple drinks, smoking a little something, uh, we just started turning our amps up and it just turned into a little heavier song than I think even he anticipated. 
Because it's honestly like a, a pretty sad song. Joe was going through like a, a tough breakup at the time. Um, you can definitely tell in the lyrics. Um, and I think he was kind of expecting it to be a little more mellow kind of song. Um, but it ended up just coming in with this like different intensity, um, which I think in turn almost makes it a little sadder, um, which kind of played into it all. You know, it's like, you know, a sad aggression. Um, which we've all felt that feeling. <laughs> yeah, no, there's the, you can feel that emotion there, man. And yeah, it, it is. It, you do sense the darkness, and you do feel that aggression. Um, but I dig the heaviness to it. Like it's there. There's some vibes again. There, there's some like '90s type of rock vibes that I catch in there. Sometimes it's like, oh, it's like it, it was interesting. Like it really caught my attention just because. Um, maybe it's because I don't listen to a lot of music like that. Uh, but like I said before, like I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a closet guitar rock lover. Uh, yeah. you know, every once in a while I can dig on something. That's something that caught my attention. Like, man, I dig these riffs. I dig, I dig the guitar work in that tune is really what I like about it. You know? Thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are, are obviously both like talented guitar players. So it's, um, that's pretty cool. Pretty Thanks. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm a sucker for a good dual riff. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do, like I you know, growing up I would listen to some stuff like Dream Theater and Yeah, um, man. You know what I mean? Like um I'm drawing a blank on some of the other stuff, but uh but yeah, man, like I dig some of that stuff every once in a while. Um so it was cool to hear. It was like it stood out to me just because uh, I don't hear stuff especially from a from a group that does reggae as well as you guys do or do you know, a more folky style sometimes. And it was like, that one just really stood out as like, yo, like this is, this is different. And it's cool that you embrace all those different sides of you. And you say, you know, whatever comes out, comes out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys got reggae on the way coming up. Yeah, we do at the end of the month here. Yeah. So it's, uh, let's see, it's, it's August 20th and 21st in Tacoma, Washington, reggae on the way, which is like really, if it hasn't already, it's, it's, it's on its way to becoming just a premier Northwest reggae festival. And then shout out to Dano for uh, what he's doing for reggae up he's there. The man. Yeah, he really is. He really is. And um, shout out to Teresa for linking us up. Teresa from uh, deal media, not your mother, Teresa's photography. Who's going to be shooting reggae on the way. does great work shooting bands. Um, has she, has she shot you guys yet? She um, probably, yeah. She, she shoots us has, right? a, yeah. pretty often, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. She's yeah, great. No, super She's thankful really, for that. <laughs> yeah, not every not every photographer is a good concert photographer, but she really is. That's so that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's a hectic, you know, thing to try and capture. You know, like the lighting's terrible for <laughs> photography. Everybody's moving around and making weird faces. Yeah, um, but she does a great job. She makes the most of the crazy situation. <laughs> you have to. You have to have a special eye to do. That. I always say because I got a friend of mine who shoots us a lot when we're in the kansas city area like i say the same thing to him it's like it's there's something about knowing exactly when to hit the button that not not everyone knows that like there's to me there's an instinct to it to just know and some people catch that and i mean i could shoot a concert with the same gear and it's not going to look as good as as what Teresa does or what our guy brian does it's just like it's just so, you know, shout out to all the hardworking concert photographers out there yeah. ca capturing bands all the time. Yo, with all the you, yeah. 
<laughs> so reggae on the way, man. I mean, the, the lineup is great. I mean, Iration, Protege, Hyrie, Atmosphere, uh, Expendables, uh, Kolohe, Kai, Pacifier, Josh Heinrichs, uh, Coloso, another, uh, another Washington man. I actually had the opportunity to talk to Kevin Coloso not too long ago. Another great dude. Um, yeah, I love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good, really good people, man. And that's something I have in common, uh, you know, I see in common with a lot of the people I'm fortunate to interview is that most of them are pretty good people. And, and I love seeing that in the community because it's really such a big deal, uh, to have that in any music community, especially reggae, which has deeper roots and there's more important things than, uh, you know, selfishness and things like that. So. It's a great lineup for reggae on the way. You must be pretty excited about playing. Yeah, dude, I'm crazy stoked, honestly. We played the first year they did reggae on the way. Um, and, you know, it's the first year of a festival. You're never too sure what to expect. Um, but the festival sold out the, on the first year. Nice. Um, and so, like, I'm just so excited to see how it's going to continue to grow and what it's going to bring. Yeah. What, what are some of the bands, some of the other bands there that you're really looking forward to checking out? I mean, Pacifier is probably one of my favorite bands, like in the scene, you know, all together, like every member is such an incredible musician. Um, Ted and Will are incredible lyricists. Um, and we actually, uh, we got to do like a little like week long tour with them, like a couple years back and getting to meet them, like was just, it was incredible. You know, they're like some of my heroes. Um, and it was great to realize that they're not you know assholes you know they're real people <laughs> they're working musicians too yeah. they know the struggle and um they know how to have fun too just like everybody else um and through doing that um we actually got linked up with ted to record a single with him um and so we recorded our single shallow waters in his studio in um oh god where is it uh saint petersburg florida um, I think he's moved pretty recently, but um, I know he's still doing some recording at the Passive Farm. Um, and yeah, I'm just so excited to get to see them again. Um, and then I love the Expendables. Like mm -hmm. I said, I'm a sucker for a dual riff. Yeah. And they've got plenty of them for me. Yeah, man, I love um, I love those riffs. I love any, and it, it doesn't even have to be any specific instruments. It's just like, I always love two or more instruments playing the same riff or playing a riff in harmony or something like that's, it's just cool. There's just something fun about it. Man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it's the uh, reggae on the way is going to be a great, 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 great two days of music up there. Uh, yeah. We're the first band on the second day. So cool. hopefully nobody's uh, too hung over to come see us. <laughs> no, man, no, they'll, uh, they'll be ready. They will be ready. Awesome, yeah. Well, they paid their money, man. They like you got to get your money's worth. You got to see every exactly, single moment yeah. of music. You can't, you can't be hungover for all you can get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless you guys are starting at like seven a.m., I think you'll be all right. I no, be. I think we were at like <laughs> one or noon or yeah. something like that. Enough to get to sleep in. Well, the thing is, like, you you'll wake. You might wake a few people up, and it's like, hey, it's time to get up and come out yeah. here. You know what I mean? It's time to go. It's yeah. festival season. <laughs> Man, I once I once played a uh, <laughs> I once played like a festival type of thing. It, we were told it was me a festival. We get there and it was like a charity walkathon. On a this, was, oh. this wasn't even this band. This was like three bands ago when I was when I was a kid. You know, 
and he's like oh it's a festival come up here and play and it's like um no it's actually at a high school track and it's like a charity walkathon and they wanted us to wait to go on until midnight and at midnight everyone was in their tents in the infield trying to go to sleep and we're and we're out here <laughs> and we're out here trying to play an hour of music man it was it was one of many 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 humiliating moments in my life as a musician but uh so yeah play uh <laughs> young people out there play actual festivals not uh not charity walkathons at midnight <laughs> it's, uh, it's not gonna go well for you that's uh it's really all I can say about that. It's great to play for charity. <laughs> you just want to do it while people are awake. Man, them people look so mad when we started playing. They're <laughs> like, we're trying to sleep. I'm like, I like we were asked to play, man. I don't, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I'm just doing what I was told. <laughs> and you're just like, man, we, we can't get out of here soon enough. Like, this is terrible. We got to stay because we got to get paid. But like, like we got to get out of here. Um, <laughs> No, man, that's the reggae on the way is going to be great, man. It's great um, that you're a part of really help to really help grow. And as you're right, when a festival starts, you don't know what it's going to be like. And also you hear like most festivals aren't profitable until they get to year three because they have to put out so much money in years one and two just to advertise, just try to get people in. So the fact that it was so successful in year one uh, tells you that people really they really wanted a reggae festival out there man they really wanted yeah. something to come out and it's it's great to see that you guys are still a part of that and, and everything that's going on there you know yeah no i'm stoked to be a part of it too yeah counting yeah. down the days yeah man yeah not so 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 when this comes out everyone listening to this if you're anywhere near tacoma and get there quickly go check out reggae on the way because it's it really is just becoming just the hottest reggae festival in the northwest so go check it out and, and the more these festivals we can do all over the country the better it is for everyone so support support these regional festivals man it's a big deal uh also i know that you guys have come because i got we have mutual friends uh we're talking about michelle we got mutual friends mm -hmm. um and my boys in soul tribe i know you guys are going to be uh doing a couple things with soul tribe coming up do you want to maybe fill fill us in on what's going on there yeah man so a month after reggae on the way um we're gonna go out and play with them in salt lake city um and i'm super stoked for that i've been to utah once in passing on uh the last tour we did um so we didn't really get to see much more than like i5 um and so it's gonna be cool to check it out and see what the scene's all about yeah, joe's right from utah originally so oh, really? Hopefully he's going to have some, you know, hometown homies and, you know, family coming out to see it. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited, you know, to just start branching out into that world. Yeah, that is cool, man. Utah's a place I've never been. So I, you know, I, it, it's just sounds like a fun place to visit. And that's a, that's a reggae rise up event too, which is cool. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely. Cause you, you know, it's going to be the jam. If reggae rise up is involved, you know, it's going to be the jam. So it's, it's cool <laughs> that you've got go that going on. And, uh soul tribe are great dudes man um anthony is is awesome person so it's it's cool that you're playing with them and and i, I heard a rumor that there might be something else coming up with them in yakima at some point but uh yeah so uh i actually even just like yesterday or maybe it was the day before now um got the text from justin um that yeah we added another date to it so on the 22nd the day after we're going to be playing with them in yakima washington so that'll be cool we'll get to check out their kind of hometown area and then we can bring them over to ours 
Um, yeah. But yeah, we're going to be playing at uh, the Hop Capital in Yakima. Cool. So cool, man. So what's the rest of your year looking like for shows? Do you have a pretty thick schedule? Um, so we're not like totally booked out throughout the year. Um, uh, right now, it looks like we're going to be doing that thing uh, with Soul Tribe um, for the 20th and or the 21st and the 22nd. Um, and then we're going to be heading like immediately to Bend, Oregon um, to play this super cool like van life festival called Northwest Nomads. Um, and we got to play that last year. Um, and man, the community was just super cool. It's just a bunch of nomadic traveling hippies that are just all about love and music and having a good time. Um, and when we played there, uh, it was just like such a blast. Like we talked to them as soon as we were off stage, like we want to come back next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm super stoked to, uh, to get to go out again. Yeah. Um, and then after that, um, we're heading back again the next day, right back to Washington. We're playing, uh, in Linwood. Um, and then we're playing up in Bellingham on the 7th in October. Cool. Yeah. That festival reminds me because there's, there's, you know, being a musician, is like, there's some gigs that are for the money because you got to do certain things for money to keep the thing going. Like we all know it's not, not the mm -hmm. proudest moment, but you know, there's things where we, we got to eat. eat, man. We got to look at the money. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, a 501 C I'm not a charitable organization, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is not a, not like I got, I got kids, you know, uh, there's gigs that we take for, or maybe we take less money, but it's going to be for a lot of people. And then there's some gigs that we just take because they're going to be fun. And we don't care what the money is and we don't care if there's going to be 10,000 people there. Like we just know like, you know, that gig is going to be fun. And that's what that, that's what that, you know, the van life festival you're talking about. Like, that's what that sounds like is, you know, like this, like no matter what, we're going to have a great time. Yeah. I always say it's like, you have to have two of the three M's and it's music, money, and mileage. Like, if it's, you know, super far away and it's with, you know, an awesome lineup of musicians and there's going to be a lot of people there. Yeah, we might play for a little bit less. Um, if it's really close to my house, um, and, but it's not with the coolest bands, but oh, we're going to get paid a lot. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to make it out. Um, you got to have at least two of the three. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of people don't understand, too, is like, we're flexible. Like, we're yeah. fle like, 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 okay, you can't offer me that well what can you offer me like maybe a free hotel room or some food or something like like we're flexible man we we do this because we love it it's like you know as long as you give me a reason to be there or if i'm trying like you said if it's close to home it's like sometimes i'll take those close to home gigs and not even worry about the money because it's like man you know i don't i just go home i don't have to worry about yeah. lodging and all that stuff um but yeah, man, like we're flexible. Like every gig is like a case by case basis. It's like, okay, you know, let, big picture here, right? What are we getting out of this big picture? And, and you can make decisions based on that. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, you know, we're just happy to play, but it's got to be worth our while. Yeah. I want to be happy playing. Yeah. Well, you know, this is what separates professionals from amateurs, man. It, 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 it just is. And, and that's not... A disparaging comment towards anyone be who you want to be but if you're a professional musician you're a professional musician you get you get paid for what you do mm -hmm. and you should be paid for what you do because you're bringing people entertainment and bringing people joy and that that matters that counts for something you know yeah 
Now, early on when we were first starting out, um, I got a really good piece of advice from one of our buddies, Brett Cummings. Um, shout out to Big Chill. He's a he's a sax legend, plays with Ian a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he told us just straight up, never play for free. Um, and even if it's a Lodo gig, like you never play for free because all that does is lowers the market for other musicians yep, that yep. are trying to eat and make a living out of this thing. Yeah. You know, why are they going to, you know, pay 500 bucks for a band when these guys are, they're peeing themselves to get to play here. Of course, yeah. we're going to have the free band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think a lot of artists don't understand how that impacts everyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting anybody should be out there ripping somebody off, but like I said, I mean, you're, you're a professional band. There's a lot that goes into that. You worked very hard to hone the skills on your instrument, to write songs. It costs money to record. It costs money to tour. It, so, I mean, all any of us are asking is for, for fair value for what we're doing. And don't ask, don't, don't come to me and ask me to play your bar on a Tuesday night at 11 o'clock and say it's for the exposure because there, yeah. there's nothing that's going to be going on in there at Tuesday at 11. That's going to be worth exposure. You know what yeah, I mean? My it's, landlord totally takes exposure yeah. as rent. <laughs> They take that at the grocery store too, man. They didn't tell yeah. you. You go down there and say, hey, you give me this food for free and I'll tell everybody I got it here. <laughs> yeah. Right? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Oh, if only. <laughs> it's, and man, it's, it's the only, it's the only, and I don't complain about this stuff because, you know, like this is the business I've chosen, right? Um, mm -hmm. But it is the only business where people come to you and try to get something out of you for nothing. That doesn't happen. Nobody calls up a lawyer and is like, you know, hey, man, for the exposure. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to call a plumber on a Saturday night and ask for eight hours of his night, he's not going to do that for a hundred bucks. <laughs> no, man. No. I think it's $75 and uh, one round of drinks for the band. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell that to the plumber, man. I'll give you. I need about four hours of work, but you know what? I'm going to give you 50 bucks and a pitcher of beer. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. No food. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the plumber though. I mean, you never know like that pitcher of beer might be a big deal, but no, it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's about treating people with respect, man. And, and bars. And the thing is we can all make money. The, the clubs can make money. We can make money. We can all make money, man. Just, just treat people. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not trying to rip off a club. I've never, yeah. I've never tried to rip off a club. So don't, don't try to rip me off. And the thing, and the thing a lot of people also don't realize is the venues that take a cut of your merch. I've uh, never done that. If you run into that, never I, have, I, never will, man. They I didn't have, pay for that. They didn't print it, man. I haven't personally run into it, but I've heard a lot of stories about that. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, how do you sleep at night as a venue owner talking about? You know, yeah, here's the agreement. Oh, but also we're going to take, you know, 15, 20% of your merch. Like you must be crazy. Yeah. You know, they're already taking a cut off the door. So why are they going to take a cut off my merch? I'm not taking a cut off of the, you know, the, the tell alcohol, all that, all them thousands yeah. of dollars of alcohol that I'm selling for you tonight mm -hmm. by playing there. <laughs> I'm not taking a cut of that. We, you know, we, we worked out what I'm making. Now, why mm -hmm. am I giving so? Yeah, man, that's, that's something that I hope, I hope that's one of them things that the backlash is so hard that those venues knock that stuff off and that it never gets to become like 
commonplace, like a common thing. We're just like all these venues do that because that's that's just dirty, man. It is, yeah. It's just taking advantage of fans. Be taking advantage of the fans too. Because mm-hmm. what do I got to do if you're going to take twenty percent of my merch? What do I have to do? You to raise your prices. I have to raise my prices. That's absolutely right. And now, now I got to sell a shirt for fifty bucks, a t-shirt for fifty bucks or something. To, no, man. Come on, it hurts everybody. Do the right thing, man. We can all make money in this. Do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I no, I can't say enough about that. Yeah. Yeah. So besides the shows that you're gonna be playing, um, you guys have any plans to get back in the studio soon, or or are you writing stuff? Like, what's what's up with the next creation? Yeah, so right now we're in the works of recording um, a little EP deal. Um, we're going to kind of take a break from the long album. 16 tracks was just so mentally exhausting. Um, and like we record just in our home basement here um, up in Bellingham, Washington. And so spending, you know, hours on end in a basement, you know, it's a lot. So we're just going to do a really quick five or six track EP. Um, we've started tracking everything. Um, it's hopefully going to be coming out. I'd say September. Ooh. Um, if I can get my shit together, um, <laughs> you know, I'll be coming out then. Um, but yeah, we're in the works. Um, trying to do something a little different. Um, because you know, we always get thrown into this reggae genre, mm. but we're not the most reggae band in the world. This EP we're like, okay, let's just write some straight up reggae rock bangers um that are just really good tunes everybody's gonna you know be able to dance to them have a good time um opposed to euphoria i feel like it was just so many different you know genres and Mm. sounds and vibes Mm -hmm. um that it was really cool getting to do that but we're just gonna focus a little more narrow on the ep just try and do the reggae rock thing try and do it well and do it justice um, and yeah, if I can, you know, get my, my stuff all together, then yeah, hopefully end of September, we can have that out. Do you feel like with euphoria, you went in too many different directions? Like, do you feel we were talking about eclectic bands and you guys being one of them, do you feel like you can go not too far, but too far on one project? Do you feel like, is that, is, was it part of your thought about going something in more of a straight direction on this next one? You know, I wouldn't say that we went too far. Um, I like, honestly, the different, you know, feels and different sounds that you get in the album. Um, But yeah, sometimes you talk with people and they're like, oh, you guys are great. I don't really dig that reggae stuff, though. Or, oh, that rock stuff's too intense for me. Um, But at the at the end of the day, you know, we're doing it for ourselves. and so yeah. I was super happy to get to put out such a, you know, eclectic mix of genre. Cause yeah, we go from reggae to rock, to pop, to folk, to sad boy, you know, stuff. Um, yeah, we, uh, tried to cover a lot of bases and, um, I'm just super happy we were able to do that in one album. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta be true to who you are as a, as an artist, you know, you can't, Cause you can't please all the people all the time, you know, mm-hmm. or as Mitch Hedberg once said, you can't please all the people all the time. And last night, all those people were at my show. It's just the way <laughs> it goes, man. It's just the way it goes. All right. So our time's about up here, but here's a part in the show where I always ask a couple of tough questions, man. Ooh, not, okay. You know, it's, it's nothing that's going to give you nightmares, but it's a couple of tough questions that I like asking everybody. 
Yeah, question, man. So question number one, then. You're obviously a writer. You're also a performer. What if you could only do one of those? Which would you choose? Oh, uh, I would hands down say performer. I think that's a lot of the payoff, you know, after you've written something is bringing it to life, you know, in a club, seeing people dance and, you know, enjoying your product. Um, writing's really cool and it's fulfilling in a different way. Um, and Joe, you know, our other singer, he might say, you know, he'd prefer to be a writer um, because he just likes that creative process. Um, but I, uh, when I was going through school, I kind of had this big dream of being a studio musician or, you know, just a hired gun. Um, and I do that from time to time still, you know, when people need a guitar player or a bassist, um, you know, I'll go in and fill in for a couple gigs. Um, because you get to see the benefit of everything and reap the reward of, you know, this art you've created. Oh, Matt, I just, I didn't make me think of this, what you said. I just got done watching a documentary of the wrecking crew. Um, like if you're listening to this, you don't know who the wrecking crew was. So the wrecking crew was this LA, uh, session musicians back in the fifties and sixties that played on like, like everything. Like I always knew. They played on a lot, like played on all the Beach Boy stuff. Like I knew that. Watching this documentary, it's like they played on even more stuff than I ever knew. And to watch that and how being a session musician in recordings is totally different from being a performer, a songwriter, anything else. Um, so I don't know. Have you seen that documentary? I have. Yeah, a while ago, like when it first kind of came yeah. out. Um, and I, that I think might've helped, you know, spark everything of wanting to be a studio musician. Um, but you gotta be good, man. If you're a studio musician, yeah, yeah, you, if, yeah, if you, you mess up, dude, there's another guy waiting to take your job. Yeah. And you know, like reading, like sight reading isn't as important as it used to be because back, like people wrote a lot more actual notes on staff paper back then, but mm. you still have to at least be able to read a chord chart and, and adapt instantly and come up with instant ideas. You can't say, well, let me go home and work out a riff for this. It's like, nah, you, yeah. come, you know, so that's, that's, that's the hardest thing in this game is trying to be a session musician where you're coming up with stuff like that on, on the spot. But I love what you said about payoff, man, getting to the shows, because yeah, it's like, it's like sports. It's like, you know, you practice football and you, you go through all these practices and like on Sunday, you finally get to actually play. And that's a that's a great analogy what you're talking about for the payoff man yeah it's the same thing you know we put in so many hours you know building this you know band and these tunes up um we want to bring them to life for people and so playing them in the clubs and in venues is the payoff yeah man yeah all right the other mm -hmm. tough question i have for you let's say uh you meet someone and uh, they say, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I play in Perfect by Tomorrow. And they're like, I haven't heard of, of your band. Uh, and I'm a busy person. So give me one song I should check out that encapsulates Perfect uh, by Tomorrow. And I know that's tough. That's a, an even tougher question for you because of all the different styles. But you still have to answer it because you're on my show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man, that's a really tough question, honestly. <laughs> Um, if there was one song to encapsulate it, to, you know, give it to somebody, um, 
you know, I probably ask them first off, you know, like, you know, what kind of stuff do you listen to? Um, and if they're really into the reggae scene, I'd probably say medication um, by us, you know, featuring Brandon of the Bump and Ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that song, I feel like it's just got a, a good vibe. And even though we came in trying to, we came in like, oh, we got to have a weed song. It was so far from a weed song by the time it was written. And it talks a lot about like, current world problems and issues in society yeah um, and i think that's just a really cool thing about it um but because we're perfect by tomorrow we sneak in a couple dual riffs there's a heavy breakdown in the bridge um so i think that encapsulates it pretty well um and if i had to pick like you know a rocker or something like that i'd probably say hideaway like you were saying um it's a good in your face one there's some good riffs um but you know, it's a, a pretty emotional song that people can kind of connect with. Yeah, man. I like both of those answers, man. Those are both great. And of course, there are no wrong answers, but those are both great answers. Well, Turner from Perfect by Tomorrow, man, thanks so much for being on the Talking Reggae podcast. Uh, please tell us, uh, you know, your, your socials, your website, where people can go to learn everything they can learn about Perfect by Tomorrow. Man, uh, yeah, you can find us on pretty much everything. Um, you know, it's Perfect by Tomorrow on Instagram, Facebook. Um, it's PBT underscore music on Twitter. And I don't post on Twitter as much as I should, but we've got it. Um, but yeah, we have a Spotify. We're on Apple Music. Um, our website's perfectbytomorrow.com um, where you can like buy some merchandise even on that if you wanted to get some stuff to rep us. Um, or if you have any booking inquiries, it's perfect by tomorrow music at gmail.com. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, man. I, I left Twitter behind like five or six years ago. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. All, it seemed like to me, all it is is people yelling at each other, man. And it's like, That's I don't, exactly what I it don't is. want to be a part of this noise, man. I don't, I don't yell at strangers. I don't hide <laughs> behind my keyboard. Like Twitter's not for me. So, uh, <laughs> Turner, thanks so much for being on talking reggae, man. And, uh, no, thank you, man. Oh, yeah, no worries. And again, catch Perfect by Tomorrow coming up at Reggae on the Way, August 20th and 21st in Tacoma, Washington. And then uh, down in Salt Lake City, like they're all over the place, man. Go check out Perfect by Tomorrow. Thanks, man. And, and feel free to come back anytime. And even if you want, when your release comes out, come back and we can just talk about the release. All right, dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. No worries at all. All right, man. Take care of yourself. We'll talk again soon. All right. Yeah. Great to meet you, man. Yeah, man. Definitely. We'll be talking again, man. One love. All right. Take it easy.